Welcome into a Thursday edition of Hitting Hard with John Trekker here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, the Falcons may have the best player that they've drafted since Julio Jones. Yes, I'm saying that. Arthur Smith, my coach, he's saying exactly what I want to hear about this year. And I'm old enough to remember when y'all told me that Luca could carry a team by himself to the NBA Finals and win it and all that. We'll talk about all that. We got a lot to cover here today. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta, and find us in there. Very easy to find. Hit that subscribe button. 1,300 strong and growing every day. Thanks so much for being part of the community. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. You know, I'm always looking uh, for Falcons-related stories and things like that. I do a segment on my radio show called The Falcon Flyover, and I'm always looking for little stories and nuggets and things like that. And I do like pro football focus. I'm one of those people that thinks that there is some benefit to what pro football focus is. I don't think it's all gospel. I think that, you know, there are some biases in there, but I'm also not dismissive of it. Then there are a lot of folks that use that are in the know that use the analytics and things like that, that they provide came across something here that talks about the top, excuse me, 25 players under 25 going into the season, top 25 players under the age of 25 going into 2022. And there are some pretty easy, recognizable names on the list, right? Nick Bose is number one, Justin Herbert, number two, Jonathan Taylor, three, Tristan Wirfs, number four, maybe my second favorite offensive lineman in the league, Justin Jefferson, uh, number five, Micah Parsons, number six, the monster that he had, Jamar Chase at eight, Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans at number eight, excuse me, Jamar Chase at uh, seven. And then at number nine, is A.J. Terrell. Quote, Terrell earned the highest coverage grade of any cornerback in the NFL last season. He allowed just 29 catches for 200 yards all year and surrendered a league-low 47.5 passer rating into his coverage. His massive leap in production in just his second NFL season at such a difficult position moves him into the top 10 of this list. Now, amongst all defensive players, he is fourth overall. Crazy to think about, isn't it? And I'm asking this question because he took a big leap in year one, year two, and now he's got a running mate on the other side in Casey Hayward that you think is only going to make him better, a veteran who's been a very productive guy. Is it too much to say that A.J. Terrell is the best draft pick the Falcons have had since Julio Jones? Now, listen, on this top 25 under 25, Kyle Pitts is on that list too. I think he comes in at... Number 24, I believe, is where he, uh, yes, number 24 is where Kyle Pitts comes on. And there's no doubt that he's the guy that's the unicorn and all the things that we heard and all the hype, and he's going to do all these sorts of things. But again, when you talk about receiver, a lot of things have to happen leading up to that. You know, we talk about how before Kyle Pitts can make a, a play in the NFL, there has to be a good snap. The line has to protect quarterback has to make a read. He has to throw an accurate pass. The quarterback has to read the field. Pitts has to get open, this, that, and the other. And then once the ball is in the air headed toward Pitts, then he makes the catch and then 
can make a play from there. So a lot of things have to happen. You have to rely on more than just your quarterback, more than just your offensive line. There's a lot of things that go into this. But with corner, it's mano a mano, right? And the best corners are those man guys, the Deion Sanders, the Darrell Revises of the world. Look, I'll be the first to admit that when the Falcons took A.J. Terrell, I didn't think it was a bad pick, but he wasn't the the top corner that I wanted. You know, I wanted the kid, uh, I think it was Henderson out of the University of Florida that went to Jacksonville. I was kind of hoping maybe the Falcons would trade up and go get him. I thought they needed corner. Uh, I thought the position was a good fit, and I thought they needed help on there. But I was a little bit skeptical about A.J. Terrell, and not so much because you know, the game that he had against Jamar Chase. And remember, people were like, oh, well, look, he couldn't cover Jamar Chase in the national title game and this and the other. Okay, I don't take one game for what it's worth. I don't use a whole body of work, you know, basically just off of one game. But I didn't think he was the best corner and thought maybe that was a little bit high and rich for him. But with the progress that he's made, and you think about how bad this defense is, and and still think about the fact that this defense was still – the, I think they were the second worst pass defense in the NFL. So imagine what they would be. I mean, again, not much room to go further down, but imagine how bad it looks if you don't have A.J. Terrell. And it's not a matter of Terrell not taking on the best guys. It's not a matter of teams being afraid to throw it against the Falcons because the pass rush is so good, right? Teams don't fear putting the ball in the air and hucking it all around the Falcons. And there are plenty of places to pick on and plenty of targets that you can go after. But Terrell has been magnificent. Last year, he had the second highest grade in the NFL as far as cornerbacks go. Only Jalen Ramsey had a higher grade. But Terrell's jump in just a year, and you think about the position that he's playing, because it is true. You heard about, you know, talking about pro football focusing a difficult position. It is tough for guys at corner to come into the NFL. Wide receivers and corners oftentimes will struggle coming into the NFL just grasping the game and look AJ Terrell played at Clemson so he saw a high level amount of top tier wide receivers but for a lot of guys they don't see week in week out in the college football world you know first round caliber NFL wide receivers you know they don't play against the the tippy top guys every single week you play whatever give me give me a, a slug school like a Louisville or something like that okay you're not going to see a lot of top-tier first-round NFL talent. You, you you might see a wide receiver over the course of four years or something like that that is a first-round caliber type of guy, but there are some of those weeks where you just don't see a lot of great competition or you're playing a Division II school and all this and the other. But Terrell's progress has been amazing, and it is a testament to how good he is, a testament to how good you know he's become and his work ethic and everything like that. And look, I've said before on this podcast that I love Dean Pease. I love what he brings to the table. And my thing is, man, if they can if they can find a pass rush and they can put the quarterback on the ground, because I know people love to say, well, you know, a a, a good secondary helps a good pass. No, done. <laughs> no, no, done. Either you sack the quarterback, you can't sack the quarterback. Your your defensive backs, unless you have five first team all NFL, if you have a if you have a defensive backfield that has five first-team all-NFL guys, okay, then that can help the pass rush. But having one corner that's excellent and a really good corner beside him isn't helping your pass rush. There's still four other guys running out in patterns and 
in the formation and if quarterbacks have time to pick you apart, nobody can cover for seven seconds. You, it, the pass rush helps the secondary. It doesn't work the other way around. Don't, don't buy into that mythology of, of all that stuff. A good pass rush will help your secondary. So if the Falcons can find a way to put the quarterback on the ground, and then what that does, of course, is that changes down and distance where you put teams behind the eight ball. Picking up third and three or four in the NFL is completely different than picking up third and 14 or 15 in the NFL. Drastic difference. So if you get those sacks and you create longer down and distance, that's going to allow guys like Terrell to be even better because, again, you know, <laughs> there is there aren't many playbook there aren't many plays in the book that that call for third and 14 or 15 or things like that. So. I give all kinds of credit to AJ Terrell um, and he really is a stud. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's the best draft pick the Falcons have had since Julio Jones. And that includes Grady, Debo, Jake Matthews, Vic Beasley, all these guys that you want to throw out. That includes Kyle Pitts and everything as well. But if you look at how good Terrell has been, man, his growth in just one year has been outstanding. And if they get a pass rush, he's going to be even better. Well, when we get back, I am excited by what my head coach keeps talking about for the Falcons. Arthur Smith is saying all the right things, and I love his mentality. We'll talk about that next is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, asking you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser, find us, subscribe to the page, 1,300 strong and growing every day. Man, we thank you so much for being a part of the community, growing so quickly, so thanks for being a part of it. And also, you can give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Arthur Smith did an interview with Jess Schultz of The Athletic. Now, there were some things I did not agree with um, in just reading some of the quotes and headlines and things like that. But I love this from head coach Arthur Smith quote. This is a waste of your time and my time. If you want to talk about 23, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard that a team that would try to not win football games. If you don't, there's going to be consequences. Okay. You're at the top of the draft. I got it, but you're in a very transactional phase of the NFL right now, trades in the draft, trades for quarterbacks. It's a different landscape than when Jimmy Johnson took over the Cowboys in 1989. It was pre-free agency, the famous Herschel Walker trade. They blew it up and went 1-15, in and it was a long rebuild. This is not the same NFL as today. People then, or sorry, back then, people would have given their firstborn before they gave their picks away. People are still going off old narratives, and it's comical. Any good team knows how to rebuild every single year. Look, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before, that there's no thought whatsoever about tanking, getting ready for next year, trying to get another top three or four pick. And and this all ties into what, what I've, I've said many times. You know, when people said, well, we don't need to draft a quarterback this year. Yeah, you do. You needed to draft a quarterback this year. Because they're not thinking about next year. They're not thinking about where they're going to be in the future. You, you can't think like that. If you're legitimately trying to be a good NFL organization, you have to build your team for the here and now today. Yes, you bring in certain guys that you hope are going to be part of the future plans. Yes, you obviously draft well, draft the best player, draft for your need and different things like that. Not taking that away from it. But you don't get so caught up in 
next year, next year, next year, next year. Because here's the thing. If you start to get into next year, next year, next year, next year, you become the Lions and the Jaguars and you become all of those bottom feeding teams. And you have to start finding star players and you have to start finding guys that are difference makers out there. Because the goal is not for a team to draft in the top five for a decade running. You know, that that's not what the goal of the NFL is. The idea is you get to be bad one year, we move you up high in the draft, or, and you end up having money, and you get good, and then the next really bad organization does the same thing. So I love what Coach is saying here. I love the idea, and again, I've said on this exact podcast and this show, don't get mad if they win more games than you expect. You know, the, the Vegas line is, I, I don't know, whatever, you know, some places four and a half, some places five, whatever, you know, it is. They're going to beat that. I truly believe it. I've seen people say they're going to be one and 16. They're going to be two and 15, you know, three and 14. They're one of the worst teams. In the, I don't think that they are. And I think Arthur Smith is the kind of coach that, I mean, winning seven games last year with a worse roster year over year. And to be honest with you, they got very little out of their draft class last year. Very little. I mean, we can talk about Kyle Pitts and really what his impact is. And I'm not knocking Pitts. I like the pick and it's fine. But the impact that Pitts had didn't drastically change up very many games. There was one game that he that he changed up, the London game, no doubt about it, against the Jets. Short of that, you know, it was a lot of empty calorie numbers and it was only one touchdown. So... And there were times at the beginning of the year where he didn't even get on the field when they're in the red zone and stuff. So, you know, second round pick, Richie Grant, 23.5% of the snaps. You got nothing out of Mayfield. You got the worst offensive lineman in the league in Mayfield and Taquan Graham. People keep telling me about Taquan Graham. Guy had six sacks in four years at Texas. What the hell is he going to do in the league? If he's that good, why was he a fifth round draft pick, right? And then Darren Hall and Drew Dahlman, you know, a guy who doesn't even profile as well as Hennessy does. So they got next to nothing out of their draft class and still find a way to win seven games. Now, look, part of that's the quarterback that you have and all this kind of stuff, and you are going to take a step back. But there's a reason why Arthur Smith brought in some of the players that he did. There's a reason why it's some key positions, whether it was quarterback, whether it was even even something simple. This is going to sound so, but even something simple like long snapper. You know, you can't afford to have a bum. You can't afford to go back to the James Stone, Mike Person types of days, even at something like long snapper. So while they weren't going to sign Josh Harris, because I think they thought he was just getting older and they were ready to move on, you have to go find a guy. And he brought the guy that, that he coached in Tennessee for all of that, which I'm fine with. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with all that. But I love the direction and I love the thoughts about what Arthur Smith is saying. You, you can't sit here and think that we're going to be back. You can as fans. I get that. You know, you can be, you know, Johnny come lately, you know, Joe bag of donuts sitting on your couch and your barking lounger, you know, stroking your cocker spaniel and, you know, doing all that stuff. And, you know, you can hope that they're going to be two and 14 or two and 15, I should say, and, and get a top three pick. The Falcons organization can't think that way. And I don't think it's not just Arthur Smith. I don't think Terry Fontenot or Arthur Blank are thinking that way. Arthur Blank's in his what mid seventies now. He's not looking for a long rebuild. He wants to win a Super Bowl. I mean, I hate to say it this way, and I'm, I'm not trying to be morbid when I say it, but Arthur Smith wants a Super Bowl before he dies. He doesn't want to be one of those owners that dies and never got a Super Bowl and has to hand it off to his kids and hope for the best and all that kind of stuff. He wants to win a Super Bowl. It's always been his goal. And that's why they that's why after the 16th Super Bowl, they put all their poker chips in. We can talk about 
the contracts that they gave to, to Julio, to Debo, to Grady, to this, to that, to Matt, everything like that, right? But they felt at that time, we have a Super Bowl winning team. We got to push, you know, the Falcon for life thing, right? We have to push all of our poker chips in. And they went against what they had done previously up to that point, which was to be more fiscally responsible and not get too bogged down in long-term contracts and not overpay too many guys and this, that, and the other. Things that got them where they were. But they felt like they had a Super Bowl team. And Arthur Smith is trying to get this thing on the fast track pretty quickly because I don't think Arthur Blank is looking at a long rebuild. I, I, and I'm not saying Arthur Smith is, if they lose this year, he's going to have you know any you know concerns about his job or anything like that. It's a matter of turning the corner. Their record may not be all that great, and they may win a game or two less this year, or maybe not, but they may win a game or two less this year than they did last year, and there'll still be growth there. So I love what the coaches is saying out there and in talking you know, with it. There's no doubt in my mind that this team is going to fight hard to compete. The Casey Haywards, there's there's guys that have a lot to prove. Casey Hayward, Rashawn Evans, Jermaine Effetti, Marcus Mariota. These are all first-round picks. The, the, these aren't, these aren't, you know, fifth round. Let's hope that we get something out of all of this. These are first-round picks. Evans, Effetti, Mariota. These are all top tier guys coming out of college. That team's looked at and said, we're going to put a high capital on you. And for a myriad of different reasons and things like that, hasn't worked itself out. And I thought it was important to bring Grady back. They want to have that stability there. They want to, they still want to be a good defensive team and they don't want to let their top guys go. So, you know, this goes back to a discussion that we had, I don't know, a few weeks, a month ago, whatever, you know, it was. Falcons are going to look to try to win as many games as they can. This is not a season of throwing your, you know, chips and, hey, let's just rebuild for next year. They're not thinking long-term about, you know, how bad we're going to be this year to get ready for next year. They're going to compete like crazy and try to win as many games as they can. And I love what my coach is saying, man. He's trying to get it and he's trying to get it now. All right, when we come back, you know, I'm old enough to remember folks telling me about how, Luca can just carry a team by himself to an NBA championship. How'd that work out last night? Talk about that next. Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Please head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta in the browser. Search us, find us, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment, by the way, too. Make sure leave us some feedback about the, what we're doing. Leave us some comments about what we are talking about. I do read through all the comments, so always appreciate all the feedback on there. And then follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Last night, the Mavericks and Warriors got going on game one of the Western Conference Series. Let's see what the score was here. Let's see. Um, 112 to 87. Hmm. That feels like it's a 25-point loss. Now, for the Dallas Mavericks. Now, gosh, I'm old enough to remember just, um, oh, I don't know, a few days, a week ago, when I was told things like, you know, Luca and Dallas way won this trade with Trey Young. Luca's going to carry this team to the NBA championship, this, that, and the other. Now, maybe I'll be wrong about all of this. Maybe we'll look back in a couple of weeks and say, oh, Chuckery, you were wrong. You didn't get it right. But what did you see last night? You saw last night their star player, Luca, with a good defensive team. I don't know. Let's see, Draymond Green is, I don't know, 
top three defensive players in the entirety of the NBA, multi-time defensive player of the year. And you saw that group of guys go out there and shut him down. Luca last night in that game was six for 18 from the field, three for 10, 20 points. He was ready for this because this was the highest number of anybody on the team. He was a minus 30 in 35 minutes played. Let me repeat that. Minus 30 in 35 minutes played. And by the way, he got next to no help. Uh, Dinwiddie, who was so good the other night, five for 11, three for seven from three. He had 17 points and a minus 21. Brunson, 14 points and six for 16 from the field. Now, understand, and this goes back to what I said the other day on this show, that there's no doubt Luca is a great player. He is a star, no doubt about it. But this idea that Luca is so far ahead of Trey, you know, Luca and the Mavericks showed you last night. If Luca plays bad, they're not going to win. If he doesn't get his supporting cast to help him out, they're not going to win. Who does that sound like? Let's see. Let's let's roll down the Rolodex of teams in the Eastern Conference who have a star player. Let's just use an example. Let's say Trey Young. And let's look at his roster. Let's think. Um, okay, Trey Young doesn't play well. They probably don't win. Um, if Trey Young's supporting cast doesn't play, oh, they don't win. It's exactly the same. Yeah, Luka plays outstanding and his guys around him play great. They'll win and they can beat anybody in the NBA. They can go on the road and beat the Phoenix Suns. Just like on Martin Luther King Day when the Suns came to Atlanta and on that Monday, Trey Young was outstanding. The Hawks supporting cast was outstanding. And what they do? They beat the Phoenix Suns. So it's the same thing. If you're in this league, if your star plays like a star and his supporting cast helps him out, yeah, the, these teams are set up to beat anybody in the NBA. The Hawks are no different. The Mavs are no different. None of that is different. And that's not taken away from what Luka is. That's not taken away from what Trey Young is. That's why this thing is not so cut and dry. When just a few days ago, everybody's like, oh, well, this is just, the, the, it's over. I'm the, the Dallas won the trade and all that stuff. Did they? They're in the exact same position right now that the Hawks were in last year. And they're down 0-1 in their series. I think the Warriors are going to win this thing in six. I said, I think I said on this podcast yesterday, Heat, uh, uh, Celtics in seven and Warriors, uh, Warriors in six. So I, I, I wasn't surprised by what happened last night. Oh, fatigue and this, that. Get, get out of here with all that nonsense. Okay. Because the same thing happened to the to the you know the Hawks against Miami Heat. They, had, they were up in Cleveland in less than 48 hours and 36 hours. They went from being up in Cleveland and having to win a game to coming down to Miami and playing at one o'clock in the afternoon. So I don't want to hear about all that stuff. But this idea that you know this team wanted it's a clear cut thing. I had a guy on from CBS Radio that was on on my show. Uh, I guess the other night it was saying that, oh, yeah, it's obvious now Dallas won the trade and Luca's rounding into that Michael Jordan-type form. I was like, whoa, hang on, thinking to myself, whoa, wait a second. Michael, has Luca won a title? Has he led a team to an NBA championship? I mean, pump the brakes a little bit. I love Luca. I love Trey. But this idea that 
everything is just etched in granite and it's set in stone and we can't change it now is crazy talk. Let this thing play out a little bit. Like I said, yeah, there are things that Luca does better than Trey Young, but the the net result, which is at the end of the day, does anything matter but the net result? The Hawks are a better organization because they have Trey Young. The Mavericks are a better organization because they have Luka Doncic. They're not the exact same player, and they don't do the exact same things, and the supporting casts are different, and blah, 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 blah. But no star by himself. You saw, we talked about this. Giannis didn't do it by himself this year. When you've got Middleton, and, you know, they brought Holiday in last year, who was an incredible difference on their team, both on the offensive and defensive side. He's a great defensive player. And Middleton's, you know, a legit number two guy in this league. When they've got it all cooking and rocking and rolling and beep, bada, boop, yeah, you win the NBA title. But when Luka goes six for 18, is a minus 30 on the on the court, you know, all this talk about, oh, well, he's a better defense player. Is he? We're, 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 uh, based on what? 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 What's all the metrics? I can tell you who the best defensive players on the court were last night. None of them were wearing white jerseys. They were all wearing those black jerseys playing at home. That was Draymond and Poole and Steph and all those guys that looked like they were all the best defensive players out there. Didn't look like anybody for the Dallas Mavericks because the Warriors last night, I know at one point they were almost at 60%. They shot 56% from the field last night. 56% from the field. You think you're going to beat Golden State on most nights when they shoot almost 60% from the field? So, again, everybody, slow down, calm down. Let's let it play out. Luca, Trey are only a few years into their career. And their franchises are basically both at the exact same spot right now. Trey was here last year. Luca's here this year. When Trey plays well, they usually win. When Luca plays well, they usually win. When the supporting cast is the dregs of the universe for Trey Young, they don't win. When the supporting cast is the dregs of the universe for Luka Doncic, they don't win. And last night was a good old-fashioned butt whooping. That was the Golden State Warriors reminding everybody that, hey, Hand raised, you know, we did win a couple of NBA, a couple few NBA championships over here. And we did win one when there was no guy named Kevin Durant here. We still have Steph and Clay and Draymond. And now we've got Poole and Wiggins and all these guys and everything like that. We're still raised hand. We're still a really good franchise over here. Don't forget about us. And guess what? When their stars play like stars, like they did last night, you look last night at Golden State in, in what they did. Draymond only had 10 points and nine boards and three assists and was plus 25. Why well, I suppose that is, you know, Steph last night, 21, 19 for Wiggins. Every starter was in double figures last night. Porter gave him 10 off the bench. Poole gave him 19 off the bench and was a plus 15. When your stars play like stars and your supporting cast helps you out, you're going to win in the NBA. And last night was a prime example of the Dallas Mavericks that you ran into a buzzsaw. And it's hard to just put those kinds of same nights up, night in, night out. Even Luka needs help if he's going to win a title. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Reminding you, make my guy Mark Zeno an A to Z with Mark Zeno your second listen 
every day. He's back and he's uh, talking all things Atlanta sports and he's got the opinions that, you know, you may not like at times, but you know, you got to hear. So A to Z with Mark Zeno, it is free and available on YouTube, just like this show and every other one as part of Locked On Sports Atlanta and also free on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Check it out today. Also, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Subscribe to the YouTube page at Locked. Oh, sorry. Uh, put Locked On Sports Land in the YouTube uh, browser when you get there and hit the subscribe button and be a part of the community. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to have Maria Martin on from 11 Alive. We'll just kind of bounce around all things Atlanta. Lots to get into. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked On Sports Atlanta.